I was going to say, would that be presumptuous? I was going to say, we've had fun walking through Genesis. I've had fun um, uh, walking through Genesis. And I hope some of you all have enjoyed this with me. And this is our last meeting, at least for this particular class. And, and as I said from the beginning, <clears throat> I mean, good heavens, we've only, there's so much great stuff in here. We've only scratched the surface of just the wonderful things that it reveals to us. Um, it, it's a book that's that's very gritty and very honest uh, as far as talking about the, the human condition and and fractured relationships and and families and that way it's it's you know you you read it you take a little heart about your own family you're just like you know we're a biblical family um, who knew um, uh, but you know we we see so much brokenness and yet in the midst of all of it as well we we see the the grace of God and also the plan of God the way that God is preserving. Uh, a seed is preserving a line, the way that which God will bring about salvation. It, it it points so clearly and powerfully to Jesus and what God will accomplish in Jesus. And we're we're with um, Joseph today uh, is who we're going to spend time with. And let me offer a prayer, and then we will begin to reflect on on Joseph and invite y'all's reflection along with mine. Heavenly Father, thank you that you've gathered us uh, this day uh, for the gift and the blessing that you have enabled us to have this time together to walk through uh, your revelation to us in, in the stories of Genesis and the characters of Genesis, the people. We thank you that in all of this, all of this you make clear uh, that though we cannot make our way to you, that you graciously make your way to us and your work and your actions are saving. Draw our hearts, draw our minds to you this day, draw our, our relationships and families that they may be so shaped and fashioned by our faith and trust in you that you give us hope, uh, that you give us humility, that you give us confidence, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, and y'all probably know, you know a reasonable amount about Joseph. We're talking about Joseph today, and, and let me let me just ask you: When I say Joseph, what do you think of right away? Yeah, that that, that stinking coat. Uh, that's 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 right, Joseph's uh, Joseph's Joseph's coat. Uh, yeah, what else? The famine, yeah, Pharaoh and the fa- and the famine. Um, you know, it's funny. I we have three kids and. You know, like any parent, I, I've, I've, you know, you don't you don't think things through. Um, you think you're thinking things through, but then you realize you, you haven't thought things through. And and because um, we're on, Sally's our youngest now. Um, and I've thought, you know, we we did things with Jack, and I'm just like, oh, stink. Um, because now I'm like, you know, we're kind of obliged to do the same um, with with Maisie, and then the same with Sally. Because, you know, do you know a kid that doesn't keep score? Um, I mean, you know. Th- you know, we love, you know, Paul wonderfully in Corinthians talking about love, uh, basically saying, you know, love isn't bookkeeping, love keeps no record of wrongs. But, I mean, human nature, I mean, most of us, we, we try not to keep score, but we're, but we're so often bookkeepers. And, and, you know, realistically, too, of course, we're selective bookkeepers. Um, but, yeah, we've, I'm thinking about this um, with Jack, with Maisie, and with Sally. And, you know, realistically, they need it uh, in... Jack's senior year of high school, we got him a, a laptop, you know, because he needed it for, they really need him in high school as well, not much less, you know, certainly college as well. But anyway, we did that with Jack, and 
that we did with Mace, and then I was just thinking the other day, it's like, oh, junk, Sally's a senior. You know, just thinking, okay, this is, you set up these precedents. And one of the things that we began as we began with Joseph's story, and again, going back to the story of Jacob and Esau, you remember sadly how often hurts and slights, uh, and you know, we, we talked about Jacob, that, that void in his life that, that, that drove him, the fact that his father preferred Esau over him, uh, and that, you know, that, that, that hurt. Uh, and that was a genuine wound and a genuine void in his life. And uh, as is so true of human nature, he, throughout his life, was craving blessing. Uh, and he was craving fulfillment. And, of course, he began by stealing the blessing of his brother Esau, thinking that would bring it about. And then, of course, if, if, if you remember, um, that, that didn't do it. But um, uh, if, if he could just have Rachel, um, then... Then he would be content, and then he would be full. And of course, um, had Leah and Rachel and the and the children, and still wasn't peaceful. Still wasn't content. It wasn't until basically God uh, broke him, and in breaking him, God remade him that he was finally uh, at, at at peace um, in his life, at peace in his relationship with God. But one of the things, and I think this is important for you and for me to know as well, is that. Even though after that encounter, when, when Jacob wrestled um, with God, when he receives that new name, when he realized that, that God at any moment could have crushed him, and yet God desires not to crush him, but to save him, uh, it's a real revelation about the character of God. Though he was wounded, he was wounded in such a way that it brought enlightenment. He was wounded in such a way that it brought healing. Um, God, <laughs> I mean, God is the only one... Uh, who can actually wound us and bring us healing simultaneously. Uh, and, and we see that happen in Jacob's life. But one of the things that we see is that even though Jacob is a changed man, uh, he's, he's, none of us, none of us fully arrive. Um, none of us ever fully get it all together. And though he's a changed man, he's still a man. Uh, and we see that played out in his relationship with his children. I mean, if, if there's ever, a person that should know that she shouldn't favor one child, who would it be? It'd be Jacob, for goodness sakes. And what does he do? Uh, he he creates that, that same mess in his own family, the same mess that, that hurt him so bad in his own family, in his own life. He's now recreating uh, in the lives of his children. We hear that among all the children, he doted um, on Joseph uh, and this, this coat, uh, the coat of many colors or this garment, whatever whatever it was, it's obviously illustrative of the fact um, that, that he favors Joseph over all the others. And I'm reading now from Genesis 37, and uh, it, it, it tells us, well, I'll just kind of start. Um, Jacob lived in the land of his father's sojournings in the land of Canaan. Uh, these are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was pasturing the flock with his brothers. He was a boy with the sons of Bila and Zilpha, his father's wives, and Joseph uh, brought a bad report to, uh, of them to their father. Now Israel, now let me just back up, and Joseph brought a bad report of them um, to their father. We already see the effects. Basically, Joseph went and tattled um, to dad to say, hey, they're not being nice to me. But, but what we find out is well, he's basically he's making it up. Um, and one of the things that we see going on with Joseph is that his dad's um, preference of him 
above all the others is beginning to warp them. Uh, it's really beginning to turn him into just a, a miserable um, individual. Not necessarily he thinks of himself as miserable, but miserable in the sense of he's he's narcissistic. Um, he he doesn't realize the the repercussions of his actions on other people. He's becoming completely self-absorbed and self-focused. I mean, y'all have seen that before. Um, you know, kids are quote um, spoiled. You know, they they they. They, they lose touch. Uh, and, and part of it is certainly um, their fault, but part of it is they've been raised to think that they're the center of the universe. Um, and so it's no surprise that they begin to lose touch with what they say, how what they say and how what they do has an effect on other people. They, they basically lose sight of other people is, is what happens uh, when, when we're treated in that way or when we raise people, we raise children that way, they, they become out of, out of touch. And we hear that, that Joseph comes um, to report back to his father, basically to make up stories to say, you know, they're not treating me right. And we hear this, now Israel loved Joseph more than any other of his sons because he was the son of his old age and he made him a robe of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. So here, you know, again, uh, we we should learn Jacob is a Jacob's a changed man, but um, he's he's not he's not completely um, changed. It's a work it's a work in progress, and his favoring of Joseph creates this um, just horrible um, family dysfunction. Uh, and really does terrible things to Joseph and in his life as well. And and we're going to, obviously, I can't, I'm not going to read um, to you 37 through 50. We're going to jump around a little bit here, hit some of the highlights about what it reveals about God and, and where it has good news for you and for me as well. But as y'all remember, Joseph then, and again, this is, we, we see that narcissism that's taking place, this losing touch which which takes place because Joseph begins to have these dreams which which in fact are legitimate and in fact will be in some way will well not in some way they they will be fulfilled but Joseph has these dreams um that all of the older brothers will come and bow down before him uh and not only that um but the parents as well will come and bow before him and that they will um and and that they will serve him and i mean um Talking about being out of touch, what little brother then tells his older brothers um, that that story and expects to receive any positive to come out of that? Again, it, it just shows how warped and distorted Joseph has become. He, he tells this story to his brothers, and and quite naturally, it just it 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 pokes the bruise for them. Uh, it it really it really hurts them, and and they we we hear that they can't even speak peaceably to him. Uh, they they despise him because he represents the fact that their father loves him more than the rest of them. And then, of course, as you remember, Joseph is sent out. I think it's interesting as well, even though he was younger, it's interesting who's out doing the work uh, of, of tending the flocks and caring for them. It's, it's the other brothers. Joseph's at home. Uh, Joseph's at home with dad um, playing Xbox. Uh, you know, I mean, he's the one who's hanging out back, taking it easy while they're out. Um, doing the work, and, and Joseph is sent out to them. And y'all remember, um, you probably remember what happens. He comes out to them, and he goes to one. <laughs> I thought this is kind of interesting. He goes to one area, and they and they and they're not there. But interestingly, he actually, and you know, it's not like they're in 
you know, downtown Birmingham where there's lots of people around. He actually bumps into someone who says, oh, yeah, those guys, they were here. And now they've gone. Uh, now they've gone out to this area, this extremely desolate area called Dothan. Um, and I, that, that just makes me think, I just thought, I wonder if the people when they named their town Dothan uh, had that in mind. If they said, you know what, we're out in the middle of nowhere. Um, let's name our town Dothan. Uh, but anyway, they're out at Dothan. He goes out and he finds them there to check in on them. And as you remember, um, they say, you know what, now's our chance. What are we going to do? Are we going to kill them? Um, you know, they're, they're, you know, I mean, the, <sighs> Jacob's um, actions have so sown violence and anger and hurt and hatred into the family that they're driven to the point they're like what are we going to do let's should we should we kill them uh and and be done with them and they say you know what here's what we'll do we'll sell them into slavery uh, and we'll take the silver there along a trade route and of course we hear um that joseph uh, is thrown down into the cistern he's thrown down in there and any and he begins to cry out uh he, he cries out for his father he cries out um, to his brothers, he he cries out um, to God, and he's sold into slavery. And if you remember, he goes down um, into Egypt, uh, and there in Egypt, he actually um, he begins to prosper, uh, and he's in Potiphar's house. and And Potiphar was a very significant individual in the in the hierarchy there in in Egypt. So I mean, he actually, I mean, yes, it's slavery, but his uh, his intelligence and his abilities have actually enabled him to r- rise in stature and status there in Potiphar's house. And basically, Potiphar makes him his right-hand man, gives him control of his entire household, lets him run his household. I mean, this is, you know, this is significant stuff. But of course, if you remember, um, Joseph was in the pit. He comes up, things are getting better. Uh, now he's in Potiphar's house. Uh, we, we see that, that Potiphar's wife is bored, um, and she says, come to bed with me. Uh, and, uh, and he says, no, I, you know, I, 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 I can't do that. Um, so we, in some ways we see, um, that, that, that Joseph, he's, <laughs> he's learning. You know, he's getting, he's getting a little better. He's making, he's making some, some progress here. Um, he says, no, I, I can't do that, not just because, um, it would get me in trouble because it would be wrong. Uh, it'd be it'd be wrong um, before God. It would be wrong um, against you. It'd be wrong against your husband. I can't begin to do that. And and we see um, that that Potiphar's wife has become warped um, by by power. She's she's bored. She wants him to be her um, entertainment. She uh, just says, you know what? I'm uh, this is what I want. So I'm just going to do it. She's we see the way in which um, power has has warped her. And her life and her relationships, and of course, if you remember, she keeps after him. She keeps after him. He won't sleep with her. He won't sleep with her. Uh, and then finally comes in. She grabs his robe. He runs out um, naked, and she accuses him in front of everyone. And fortunately for Joseph, he's not killed, um, which wouldn't have been surprising if Potiphar had said, "You know what? We're just going to go ahead and execute him." He gets thrown um, into Pharaoh's prison, uh, and from there. Some of the other folks that have been thrown into Pharaoh's prison as well, Pharaoh's dungeons, I have these dreams. Joseph is able to interpret them. They're released. Joseph is still down there in Pharaoh's uh, dungeons. Uh, but then, uh, years later, Pharaoh has these dreams, and one of those people is now Pharaoh's cupbearer um, and says, you know what, actually, there's a man. Uh, there's a man that interpreted my dream, and I bet he can interpret your dream. And Pharaoh brings him up. 
out of there. Joseph interprets the dreams, and the, the dreams have to do with this. There's a time of famine which is going to come on the land, uh, and you know, you uh, we had that. We had that little, I say little, it wasn't little, it was significant. You know, it gave us at least some little inkling. We had that period of drought here uh, in in Birmingham, obviously, recently. And I guess we're still in the drought, even though you know, the, we haven't we haven't rebounded. Uh, even though as we look out on those nice wet streets today that we welcome gray days and wet days now. But, you know, it gives us just a little bit of, but in that, in that place, in that time, you know, uh, Drought. People died. Um, crops would would be lost. I mean, people people died. It wasn't as if you know we could send to another country um, for for food. It wasn't if they could just go down to the store. I mean, this was this was serious business. Joseph was able to interpret, saying, "All right, here's what's going to happen. There's going to be a time of fruitfulness, and we need to harvest it, and we need to put it aside um, because there's going to be a time of, of famine and drought which comes." Uh, and so we're going to do this, and this is going to actually, not only is it going to preserve life, um, Pharaoh, but it'll actually increase your power. It'll increase your status. It'll increase your standing as we're able not only to preserve life for ourselves, for the people of Egypt, but but for others as well. And so that's, you know, there, there's there's more, but that's that's the basic um, gist of it. And there, now there, and now we're going to come to. The part that I'm really going to invite us to reflect on most today uh, is when um, Joseph's brothers come um, down to Egypt in search of food, and then the encounter between Joseph and his brothers, and and what again, what it reveals to us uh, about the way in which God's gracious character worked uh, in Joseph's life, and also the ability for you and for me to be people um, who see that that same work in our lives as well. But one thing I want to say is is this. Um, I, I guess what I'd like to say, really with sincerity, is for you all to see and for you to know that, that God is at work in your life. Um, and one of the things I think is important to note as well is we've looked at some of these uh, biblical characters in Genesis, and a lot of them are pretty larger than life, um, very spectacular in, in what happened to them. And I can remember going one time to a funeral and walking away very, very sad. And this is such a, let me just say as a clergyman, as a preacher, as a teacher, um, uh, I've struck out um, any number of times. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm aware of that. Lord, have mercy. You know, sometimes you're the bat, sometimes you're the ball. Um, you know, sometimes it goes really well and you're like, yes. And other times you're just like, well, I hope I'll get another chance. Uh, and, but I went to this funeral and I went away really sad because the preacher there it was a funeral, uh, and this guy was an interesting guy, but he, sadly he had died young, cancer. I say young, you know, he was he was young, but um, 60, you know, late 50s, 60, um, when when he when he died. But anyway, he went on and on about what a character he was. This guy was such a character. Uh, he was such a a Renaissance man. He loved to read well where the wild things are um, to his children. And again, you know, he's just this guy was such a character, such a character. Um, and he led such an interesting life, um, and, and uh, but no mention of the resurrection, uh, no mention of, of, of the cross of, of Jesus, no mention of the resurrection, I thought. And again, I walked away really sad because I thought, you know, what I heard in that sermon is I need to go live an interesting life. Um, I need to go out there and be a renaissance man. I need to go out there and be colorful. Um, and 
and and larger than life and you know let the wild rumpus begin um where the wild things are and i just i walked away and i was just i was i was really really sad because i thought if you know if if folks don't know jesus what they've heard today is you know you need to go out and live an interesting life uh, and the reality of us you know for most of us in this room we're really not larger than life um you know you read the story of noah you know nothing quite that um exciting has happened in my life you know i haven't personally wrestled with god and had my you know hip um thrown out in the case of jacob i haven't been sold into slavery and then risen to great power uh in egypt uh, a la joseph um, by comparison my life is pretty doggone mundane um compared to these guys but what i want to hold out to you in the midst of all these you know fascinating stories and encounters is isaac because um, really what was spectacular about isaac Exactly. Nothing. <laughs> there's really, I mean, in all these, you know, larger than life characters, there was Isaac. Um, and, you know, who's, who was Isaac? Well, you know, he was, he was the guy, uh, you know, in between, he was in between Abraham and Jacob. You know, that was, that was Isaac. Not a whole lot. And yet, here in mundane Isaac's life, the, the, the grace of God, um, broke in. Uh, and, and God worked his, his saving purposes through Isaac and through that, through that line. Uh, Jacob, uh, who came, who came forth, uh, from Isaac. So I guess what I'd like to say to you and to me as well is, what, what, it, what this isn't saying is go out there and just leave larger than, larger than life lives. Um, it, it, it's, it's an encouragement, um, to be faithful and put our trust in, in the Lord, uh, and the way that He's bringing about, um, His salvation and purposes, the way that He's working in lives like yours and mine, uh, working in our lives in such a way that our lives might have an impact in other lives, um, that our lives might serve uh, the grace of God and the glory of God and the salvation of God in the way that, that we live lives of perseverance and faith and relationship with God and with other people as well. Because, you know, we we have this story of, of, of Joseph and the others in a, in a few chapters, but we're talking about years. Um, we're talking about years and years. You remember with Jacob, when Jacob went... Um, uh, over um, to the land of Laban, he was there for 20 years. Um, so this isn't happening, you know, we, Lord, I trust you and I have faith in you and I know you'll bring about your purposes. It'd be great if you can do it this week. Um, you know, if not today, I don't want to be greedy, but at least this week. But to say that, you know, the, the, the plan and the purpose of God, I'd like to say that for you and your lives as well, it's something which happens throughout your lifetime. It's not something which only happens for a short period. It's not something that happens necessarily quickly. Now there are, there are seminal moments. I mean, there are those moments which are huge, um, but 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 to trust the way that God uh, is at work in your lives, um, again, sometimes in ways which seem spectacular, sometimes in ways that are mundane, but also it's a it's a marathon rather than a sprint. Uh, it's something that He does over a long period of time, and so we see that with Joseph. And if you now the brothers come to him, and there's an interesting thing uh, as the brothers come to him we one of the things we hear is that things uh haven't gotten better uh for uh for jacob aka um israel uh, and the brothers this this time of famine comes and we hear when jacob learned that there was grain for this is uh chapter 42 when jacob learned that there was grain for sale in egypt he said to his sons why do you look at one another Behold, I have heard that there is grain for sale in Egypt. Go down and buy grain for us there that we may live and not die. 
Um, so <laughs> things things aren't things aren't great. We we see the we see the repercussion of of the sin which is going on in the family and the brothers now of course travel down to Egypt um, to get grain. And this is this is the part that I think I've I've read recently. If you remember the the brothers go down and they appear to Joseph, and of course they don't recognize him. And it's not a it's not a surprise. Not only has it been a lot of years, and Joseph, uh, Joseph is a grown is a grown man now, but he also would be sort of in the garb uh, of an Egyptian. He'd look like an Egyptian now. He wouldn't look like them. He'd look significantly different in the way that he was um, dressed and and uh, in in his appearance. Uh, and of course, we hear that they don't recognize him. But I always thought it was kind of interesting. If you remember, it, it seems as if um, Joseph is 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 playing games with them. You remember he doesn't um, he doesn't zap them, but he kind of sends them back and forth. If if you remember, you know, he gives them a little bit and sends them back. Says, "I want to see is is this all of you? No, there's no there's there's one other, uh, our, the youngest Benjamin, who is home uh, with our father, and and of course who has taken the place of Joseph." Benjamin, you know, he's, I mean, again, he's still, he, he's, he's, he still, he still hasn't learned. Now it's, now it's Benjamin. And of course he, he sends him back and has him bring Benjamin. And then, um, you know, he, he accuses them. You're, you know, you're not here for grain. You're spies. You're, you're here to search out and find out our weak places. No, 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 no. We're not, we're not, we're not spies. He, he says, all right, I'm going to hold one of you while you go and return to your father and bring me this youngest. I'm going to hold on to Simeon. Well, you go, and of course they go, and they bring back Benjamin. He's there, then he puts the cup uh, in Benjamin's bag, and they come, and they find him after they've left with grain, and uh, he says, you know what, what if one of y'all has stolen something from me, and whoever has stolen something from me, I'm going to keep, and then it's Benjamin, and they're like, oh, you know, no. And I, for years, I, I really misunderstood this, because basically what I thought is, um, well, well, it's not altogether admirable, Joseph was really profoundly admirable that he didn't kill him, um, and he didn't enslave him. So, all right. So if he kind of jerked him around a little bit, you know, you know, hey, hey, I'll, you know, who can blame him, right? You know, maybe we don't necessarily agree, but you know, at the same time, who who could who could blame them? But um, I've I've read some stuff, and it's and it's fascinating, and I think this is so true of the way that God often works in our lives. And, and Tim Keller. Both preaching on this and writing on this quotes a guy, Derek Kidner. And Derek Kidner wrote a commentary on Genesis, some other things as well, but wrote a commentary on, on Genesis. But, but Derek Kidner um, describes uh, that what Joseph is doing is actually with his brothers, it, he's not playing games with them. Uh, he's not jerking them around. He, his, his love for them is, is so deep um, that he wants them to change. Uh, that he wants them to be transformed. What's what's really going on is is along the lines of the way any of us um, are are trained. We try to uh, affect people, uh, our children, the people that are younger than us, and it's a combination of what Derek Kidner calls fire and ice. Uh, it's it's a combination of of fire uh, and ice, and the and the reason behind this fire and ice is to break us open to God. Uh, God gives us um, God sends fire basically. Warmth and and encouragement, but he also sends ice hardship. And if you know, you know, when something gets, you know, extremely hot and then extremely cold, extremely hot, extremely cold, it it ends up breaking open. You know, with that expand, contract, expand, contract, it, it's broken open. What Joseph is doing here 
is is driven out of law because one of the things we see is Joseph repeatedly weeps. Um, he he sends them out, and we hear and and it's not just that he has a couple of tears. We hear that even Pharaoh and his house hear him. That the people outside um, hear him. His his weeping is of an intensity and of a volume um, that that the people hear him. He's, he's driven by love in his relationship with his brothers. Fire and ice deciding uh, to break them open um, to God. And I can relate to this to some degree <coughs> in my life as well. One of the things about we see in the life of Joseph that we can translate into yours and my life is, is this, is that we can be people who have tremendous trust and confidence uh, in, in God's working in our lives when we can understand it clearly and when we can't. Uh, and quite frankly, sometimes when God seems the most hidden, uh, and or distant or, or not around altogether is often when he's working most powerfully. And we see that in, in Joseph's life, in times when she, when he could have thought, you know, either God hates me um, or God has um, forsaken me um, or, or God is punishing me. We see that in all those times, God is actually working in Joseph's life um, to preserve life, um, but also He's working in Joseph's life to save his life. Because think about it. Had, had God not intervened, had Joseph not gone through the, ter- the terrible things he had experienced, he would have been horrible. Uh, he, he would have been a horrible person. And he would have had a horrible marriage. Uh, and he would have raised horrible kids. Um, and it would have just, you know, it, it, that, that narcissism uh, and that self-focus, uh, it just, it would have, it would have warped him. Um, again, he would have been a, he would have been a horrible person had not that hardship and intervention of God come into his life, if, if had not all of those things happened, Joseph wouldn't become the transformed person we see at the end when his brothers fall before him and he says, it's it's okay. Right? He doesn't say it's okay. He says, you know what? I'm Joseph, your brother. Uh, and that which you intended for evil, God has used for good. And that's kind of an important note as well when it comes to reconciliation and, and forgiveness um, in our lives. When it comes to reconciliation and forgiveness, it, it, it doesn't mean pretending that the hurt didn't happen. Uh, and in essence, what just says, yeah, I mean, it, it hurt um, and, and it was hard. However, um, I, I don't hold on to that. I, I, I forgive you because I realize that that which you intended for evil, God has used for good. So in forgiveness and reconciliation, it's not pretending it didn't happen and it's not pretending it didn't hurt. It's recognizing and acknowledging that. But here's the thing, and this is actually in, in 50, and this is a really um, big deal after, and I'm shockingly jumping around here, um, but after uh, after Jacob, Israel, after he dies, um, we hear that the brothers um, are worried. After everything Joseph has done, they're like, you know what, now that our father has died, um, we're, we're scared that, uh, that, that Joseph's going to get us, uh, that Joseph's going to get us now. And it's funny, they come to him, and basically what they say is, you know what, uh, um, before Dad died, he said, um, uh, "Hey, tell Joseph to be nice to us." Um, is, is basically what they what they come and say. And we hear that that Joseph is he's he's both he's hurt uh, and he's and he's angry uh, as they come to him. We, Joseph, we hear, and this is uh, this is at the very end in chapter fifty. But Joseph said to them, "Do not fear, for am I in the place of God?" Uh, so what does he mean by that? Do not fear for him, I, in the place of God. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive 
uh, as they are today. So then do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. But Joseph said, do not fear, for am I in the place of God? Well, here's here's the thing. Uh, and this, I heard this comment. And I thought this is, wow, um, should bring us up short, but it's true. Um, if 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 you want to be like the devil, try to be like God. Think about that. Say if you if 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 you want to be like the devil, um, try to be like God. Uh, what what Joseph has both a Joseph has both a confidence and a humility. We see now he has a godly confidence and a personal humility as they come. He says, "Am I am I in the place of God?" What, what he says there, and why it's important to you and to me, is that am I, am I God that I can hang on to this and decide? Um, no, I've, uh, that's, that's, that's God's business, not mine. Forgiveness is one of those things, yes, easier, easier said than done um, for you and for me, but the necessity to forgive in order that we do not hold on to what, what's not ours to hold on to. And, and let me tell you, as I say that, I, I can nurse a grudge. I mean, don't don't let me kid you for a second. I mean, I can and I can throw a pity party, um, and I can remember stuff from a long time ago, and it can it can come in. So don't let me pretend that I'm so glad that I'm not like other people um, that 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 do that. But yet we have here this tremendous opportunity for freedom for you and for me. Joseph is able to say, you know what? I'm not in the place of God. Uh, I've I've forgiven you a long time ago. Uh, that's that's God's to to work out, and and the tremendous freedom for him to say, you know what, God is, God has worked this in order to save other people's lives. But again, and the hardships in the fire and ice that Joseph went through, he was saved as well. God saved him and changed him. But here's the last thing I wanted to say, um, and what's going on with the brothers and sending them back and forth. And let me read to you um, what what Keller has to say on this. Again, quoting uh, from Derek. Kidner. Uh, then, over the course of several meetings with them, he tested them by first whining and dining them, and then by threatening and scaring them. Derek Kidner, in his commentary on Genesis, writes just how well judged was Joseph's policy can be seen in the growth of quite new attitudes in the brothers as the alternating sun and frost. Uh, broke them open to God, and he talks about you know he he gave them basically a a taste of retribution without actually um, acting uh, in retribution, and then of course that which happens with Benjamin, and and then here is here is the crowning work, um, and this is quoting Kidner again, Joseph's strategy now produces his master stroke, like the judgment of Solomon, the sudden threat to Benjamin was a thrust to the heart. In a moment, the brothers stood revealed. All the conditions were present for another betrayal. The response, by its unanimity, frankness, and constancy, for the offer was repeated, uh, verse 17, showed how well the chastening had done its work. If you remember, of course, as he sent them, they had betrayed Joseph before, right? Uh, They had betrayed him and left him behind. And now he's putting them in this situation where one is left behind again and again. And now... Here is the final stroke with Benjamin. Here's that opportunity placed before them again um, to to forsake um, Benjamin, to leave Benjamin behind uh, and to save themselves. He's uh, basically as as God leads us to repentance, he he puts things that that bring to mind uh, what is what is unpleasant to us. 
uh, but he but he brings it to mind in order that we might be delivered, uh, in order that we might be uh, freed, and we see that happening here. And here's the thing: uh, the when Joseph, when they sold him into slavery, the the brother that really led the charge was Judah. Uh, Judah was the one uh, that that led the charge, and now we see. Uh, as Joseph is threatening to keep Benjamin, who steps forward uh, but Judah? Uh, Judah steps forward and offers himself uh, in the place of Benjamin. <laughs> is, that, is that resonant of all? Uh, is that resonant of anything? Perhaps uh, of Jesus, one who will come and who will offer himself uh, in, our, in our place? Uh, so Judah steps forward now and says, You know what? No, 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 no. Um, I can't see my father crushed and broken again. Um, I can't see my father crushed and broken, even though my father has in so many ways crushed and broken us um, over the years. Uh, I, The fire and ice has broken him open in such a way that he's been open to God. And again, he's open to God in a way which brings healing um, into his life, which brings freedom um, into his life. He's, he's, he's changed by the way that he's gone through both hardship uh, and through comfort. And we hear this. Judah steps forward. He had taken the lead before in selling Joseph into slavery, but now he makes not simply a plea for mercy, but an offer of substitutionary suffering by offering to take the place of Benjamin. He begs the Egyptian Lord to take him instead of Benjamin. He offers his life to pay the penalty of the theft so that Benjamin can go free. He says to the man he doesn't think he knows, and now quoting from Kidner, Now then, please let your servant remain here as my Lord's slave in place of the boy and actually quoting from Genesis, and let the boy return with his brothers. How can I go back to my father if the boy is not with me? No, do not let me see the misery that would come um, on my father. Uh, <coughs> and it's at this point <coughs> as well that Joseph uh, is falls down before his brothers weeping uh, and says, you know, it's me, uh, it's, it's Joseph. Um, your brother, uh, to say in, in all of this, in the, in the midst of just human sin and mess uh, and brokenness and rivalry and striving and mistrust and hurt, in the midst of all of this, God, uh, through his fire and through his ice, breaks them um, open to God in such a way that, that they're healed. Uh, and in a way that their relationships uh, with God and with one another are are restored. This uh, breaks them open to God. And so, and we see, of course, ultimately, um, that example in Judah uh, of what gives us the opportunity to be people um, who are both confident in the grace and the work of God in our lives when we can see it and when we can't. Um, uh, and his wonderful grace and his wonderful purposes, uh, to have that sort of wonderful, um, holy confidence, um, but also uh, along with that holy confidence to have humility, realizing that we, Jesus came to take our place, uh, that what should have rightly fallen upon us has instead fallen upon him. And it gives us the opportunity to be people who are gracious, um, people who are forgiving, um, people who don't have to put ourselves in the place of God, uh, because, quite frankly, to put ourselves in the place of God puts us on a cross. Um, and I think it's much better to leave God at his place and us to remain in ours, that we might be broken open to his grace and that we might know of it alive and at work in our lives. And as we 
go forth now. Uh, let us pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, for this time we give you thanks and praise, for this opportunity to hear about how you work in our lives by both fire and ice, through warmth and encouragement, through um, challenge and trial, but in all of these things that we might be uh, broken open to you, uh, that you would fill us uh, with the bomb uh, that comes from you. Uh, open our hearts, open our minds, open our lives to have confidence in your grace at work in them. Uh, and so shape and fashion us uh, that we might be your servants, we pray. In the name of your Son, who is Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.